Hello, everybody. I'm Tom Dorsey. I'm Jay Greg Nanny. It's May 23rd, 2018. And last night, are you flooded? <laughs> we, got our, we got our next massive storm last night. Unbelievable. Man, I thought we were out of the woods. No, 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 <laughs> we're not. Watch for El Nino. You know, I can't get into my weather here, but the El Nino is coming. This is going to change things. We're probably going to get wetter, cooler. All right, so without going into the whole long dissertation, is the El Nino going to be good or bad for the rest of the summer? Bad. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. So much for it. <laughs> well, you know, we're, you, yeah, we're... You know, I was in, I was in, <laughs> I was with one of our clients in, uh, on a motorcycle ride in um, New Mexico, and it was hailing, raining, then snowing. I mean, the only kind of thing you get up there at 8,000 feet. I mean, it was like crazy. And we couldn't find anywhere to go, the two of us. So we pulled into this gas station, and this guy's in this RV. And the guy in the RV looked at us, he said... I thought I had a bad deal. I saw you two guys. <laughs> and then we went in to pay for our gas, and the guy's at the counter saying, he said, man, he said, you've heard El Nino. He said, this one is La Mama. <laughs> <laughs> so we looked and tried to figure out where we were going to go. It was just as bad to go to Colorado as it was to go south, north, west. Didn't matter. We went to the airport and said, <laughs> went to the Harley dealer, shipped our bikes home, and flew out of there. <laughs> it was bad weather. Man, you hit your stop and you said, I'm done. This yeah, <laughs> I hit my stop. I said, I'm done. You know, sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you got to do that. That's right. But I ran into, let me tell you another story. Uh, during that time at the, at the Harley dealer, I ran into this old guy. This was a different time in, 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 in Santa Fe. I ran into this old guy, big, long, white beard. I mean, scruffy-looking character, driving an old Harley. So I pull in there. And I stopped to talk to him because I'll talk to anybody. And he's just traveling. And I said, where are you headed? He said, I just get up in the morning and I try to look, and I try to look at the weather and figure out which way it's not raining, and I go that way. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Whatever way it's not raining, that's the direction I go. Yeah, that's good. Well, the, the direction uh, in the market here really over the past couple of months hasn't really been anywhere yeah nothing it's been, going it's on. been up it's been down it's been you know a big if you look at, at a chart of the s p 500 you peaked in in january uh, back at 2870 and and really since then you've, you've had um a lot of volatility over the course of this year over the past the course of the past few months and you've had a lot of volatility without making a whole lot of headway one way or the other okay the so what does that tell you this is the way the market is i want you to go to youtube and type in bell curve with marbles. And the first thing you'll see there is a normal distribution where they drop these marbles into the top and mm -hmm. go. But these marbles are 600 marbles going back 50 years of month-end OEX numbers. Mm -hmm. And it's perfectly normally distributed. Yeah. And when you look at that many data points and you have your outliers of things were really good, things that were really bad, but you can see on the normal distribution, most of all of it for the last 50 years has been in the center. Yeah. It goes up a little, down a little bit, just like this market has been doing now. We seem to go up 200 points, then down 150, up 300, down 250, and it's back and forth. What does that suggest when you look at that, that chart? Covered writing is the play. Yeah. 
And if you're an advisor out there and you're not talking to your customer about having part of his portfolio at least in covered writing and preferably all of it, then you're doing the wrong thing. Just modern portfolio theory is not going to do it. And and so for, for those who might be less familiar with covered writing, you are essentially buying the stock and selling a call against that position. Exactly. And, and in your experience, because you ran an option department for many, many years and, and have, uh, you know, as knowledgeable as anybody I know on the option business, um, what are you looking for in a, in a covered right of an individual position? Are there certain things, certain criteria that you want to see um, in a position or an individual stock that you might cover right? You know, Jay, the older that I get, the less particular I get. Mm. And that's interesting with age. You'll find out. I mean, you, you'll get there essentially one day. <laughs> and you'll come to the realization that the path of least resistance is, is the way to go. Drive a straight line. Um, these are things that I have learned along the way. And as far as covered writing is concerned, I'm not strict in that I have to have a certain amount of downside protection or I have to have a certain amount because that limits me. I might look at a position that, that I have in a portfolio and I know I need to write that position, I may write an out-of-the-money position on a, on a utility stock just to augment the yield. Then I may own another stock that's got some, and I own a number of stocks that have lots of volatility and carry big option premiums. I might write a one-week call, a three-day call, which I just did the last week, where expiration day was coming up on Friday. I wrote a three-day call with, with a stock that was at 100 right at the money. I sold the call on the put, and they both expired worthless. I mean, so I do things because I understand them inherently on the option business. And, and to me, after running an option strategy department for so many years, I feel, I almost feel like it's a hot potato when I own a stock. And it's, I, I want to cool it down. Mm-hmm. And I cool it down by hedging it. But I also know that by hedging it, I'm going to be right 68% of the time. Yeah. So that's, that's the direction you have to go. You got to bring value to the customer. And I'm going to read something to you. One of the services that I take, and I won't even call it a service, it's, it's something that you'll get in emails, and it's called The Story of Telling. And it's by Bernadette Jiwa, J-I-W-A. And she lives in um, Australia. I wanted to have her come to our broker institute and give a talk on the story of telling, in essence, marketing, how to make your product better except it was so costly to come from Australia, we just couldn't do it. But maybe we should do it otherwise, electronically is what we should do it. But she has a free email, and I want you to go and Google the story of telling and sign up with her email. And here's the type of thing that I get. I always save these. I always read them. I can't say that about anybody else, mm. period. But I read hers, and it's simple like this. And if I mess up reading, I'm dyslexic, so we have to understand that. And Jay said, we can always go back and, and redo it. I said, no problem. Once you accept the fact that you're not all right, <laughs> then it's liberating. Yeah. So it's okay. In fact, the, the, I speak all over the world on investing. And probably one of the most important talks that I've ever given was a few weeks ago at Riverside School here in Richmond, which is for the dyslexic children. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, was, uh, that was wonderful talking to them. So they've invited me to come and speak at their graduation, which they call moving on. They don't graduate there. They move on. They come to a point where they, uh, no one ever helped me with this dyslexia, but these schools do. 
and they do well with these kids, and they get to a point where you can move on. So it's not a graduation, but you move on to a regular high school or whatever. I mean, um, you learn just yeah. the same there, yeah. except you learn a different way. So here's something that Bernadette has, has said just recently. The difference between good and great. And think about this. When, you're, when I'm reading this, think about being an advisor. The tiny Italian restaurant in Carlton is in full swing. It's 6 p.m. and a couple of experienced um, chefs are cranking out meals. The kitchen is well-oiled machine. The oven is at capacity as diners and Uber eaters converge at once. The food is good, it's just not great. Unlike the food served at the Italian place we recently discovered in Auckland. On the face of it, there's little to differentiate the chefs in the two restaurants. Both teams work most silently and efficiently. They are well prepared. Everyone understands the role, the, the role they play in making sure dinners leave sated and satisfied, or diners leave, sated and satisfied. Told you I would mess it up. But there's one thing the chefs in, in Auckland do that makes all the difference. In Carlton, nothing is tasted before it's plated. In Auckland, the chefs taste everything, without exception, before they plate it. They're making a hundred micro, micro decisions about how to delight their customers every few minutes and adjusting as they go. That single act means that they have to put themselves in the diner's shoes for a second. They have to imagine what it will feel like to experience their product, and that makes all the difference. Good becomes great when we butt the customer at the curve, or when we butt the customer at the center of everything we do, or put the customer. See, she put butt. Should be put. She had a typo. She had a typo, yeah. and for someone who's dyslexic, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. We're looking for words that are spelled properly. So good become, becomes great when we put the customer at the center of everything we do. And think about that with you as an advisor. How many of you actually own your modern portfolio theory that you push onto the advisors or to your customers in a moderate way, or you have an, you have an aggressive portfolio or a defensive one where the risk is low. How many of you actually have a portfolio like that? How many of you put your money in that? How many of you do something different than your customers? Do you feel it? Do you taste it? Are you like the restaurant that tastes the, the, the meal, every meal that goes out to the customer, or the one that doesn't taste any of them? Who are you? And when you think about this kind of thing and you bring it into our business, it really makes you think about what it is you're doing with your customer and what you should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there we, we talk about eating our proverbial cooking. And, you know, I own our models and, and right. my accounts, family accounts type of stuff. They're literally eating their own cooking that's to right. make sure it's it's good, it's right, it's just for their diners and what they and want their what diners to experience. And that's what we do here. We buy the models. I buy models, yeah. and I, you know, yeah. at Folio uh, ad Advisors. I buy models. It's the easiest place to execute them. Yeah, that's there's a lot of parallels to that, and I think it's a great quote. I just I just signed up to get her emails now too. Yeah, so. they're well worth it. I mean, because they're only a paragraph. You have time to read them, you know. And like we were talking about, where do you do your reading? You know, I mean, I have certain places that I call my piece, mm -hmm. and one of them happens to be a cigar shop, where I go and I I download all the things that I need to see on my iPad or need to read, 
And I go there and I have a cigar and I sit back and it's quiet. And it's my peace. Mm-hmm. I can't do it at home. Not that I'm distracted at home. <laughs> For some reason I can't do it. Yeah. And maybe that's the ADD that kicks in with me too. Dyslexia, ADD. The, I mean, you add them all up with me. You got a problem. <laughs> you know. But my peace is when I sit down and have a cup of coffee and I have a cigar and I can, I can read all the things that I need to read. Mm-hmm. You got to be doing lots of other stuff while you're reading. Smoking a cigar, drinking a cup of coffee. All that well, kind of that's stuff. not doing a lot of stuff. I mean, you puff a cigar, <laughs> you don't inhale, you just puff it and you take the coffee. I know coffee's bad for you. I know cigars are bad for you. I know a lot of stuff in this world's bad for you. But There's a lot of worse stuff in this world. Yes, there was a doctor of mine several months ago that I said, you know, I need to cut back on these cigars. I said, I'm going to do, I'm going to do that. And she said, let me tell you something. She said, life is, is, is here for you to enjoy. If you cut back on everything you enjoy or you give up everything you enjoy, What's the point of living? So she said, yeah, cut back, but don't go crazy. Don't go crazy. <laughs> don't go swerving off into the ditch or anything. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. Should uh, Eating your own cooking is very important. And I don't know how many times when I was a stockbroker I didn't do that, nor did I have the money to do that really, but um, to own the stocks that my customers owned. Yeah, there's. Um, I remember years ago having a conversation with an advisor here in town, here in Richmond, that hit the way his business was set up was that his accounts, his family accounts, everything did exactly what all his clients did. Everything down to the fees. He didn't pay a discounted rate or discounted fee. That's everything right. did exactly what he was telling his clients and talking to his clients about. And that's you know that's to me that's the eating your own cooking. That's, that's the Italian the restaurant epitome. in Auckland. Where you know exactly what you're going to get, and you know what, it, some trades are going to work out, some are going to not work out. You make those decisions for all the right reasons, but you're not um, serving your clients a meal that that you wouldn't otherwise want to eat. Mm-hmm. And you can adjust along the way, yeah. because what's happening with these chefs is, they, is that as they taste that meal, they may find that the sauce they made earlier on maybe needs a little more salt. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and by tasting every meal, you're able to adjust along the way. Yeah. I like that, you know, and that's where you that's where you earn your fee as an advisor, um, by tasting and adjusting and being involved. With modern portfolio theory, you're not involved. And I think a lot of advisors have given up. They just said, "Okay, we're going to do modern portfolio theory. That's the management of the account. Um, we're more into financial planning." Mm-hmm. But what's the best financial plan you can possibly have? A stock that goes up. <laughs> Many stocks that go up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. Well, thank you for listening today. We just kind of went off on a tangent. And um, we'll get back with you next week, huh? Sounds good. In fact, we'll be doing one from, is it next week or the week after? What's that? From New York. Um, June, we're doing a podcast. The, the June. first week of June, we're going to be do, recording yeah. our Monday video um, from, from the NASDAQ market site. Cool. Be sure to watch it. All right, catch you then. Mm-hmm.